Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are only mildly entertaining. And others may say, God, these guys even do this show anymore? I say we are exactly where we need to be. Finally, back after a break for episode 96 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, the only podcast focusing on sports in and around and of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am Blake Cripps, and my camera is not centered because this is an audio-first podcast, though you can watch it if you dare on YouTube or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash keeperthegames. We're at CogPod on Twitter, and of course, we have the audio pretty much everywhere. Cogsports.com, of course, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, and cogpod.podomatic.com. I am Blake Cripps. We were planning to be back much, much earlier than now. We were taking a bit of a break because we did three straight shows uh, after the uh, national championship game. Wanted some time off because we can't be bothered to work every week now that we are old gentlemen and half of us are fathers. Um, But Tommy Castor actually called out of the show last time we were supposed to do it due to yard work. Uh, Tommy, how did that yard work go? And please understand, I don't want people to be coming on here. Uh, I'm talking about the tornado. Don't cancel us. Get a life. We understand that this is a really bad thing. We are not making light of it. There's really no good segue to say, well, Tommy, uh, how was that uh, cleaning up your neighborhood after those houses got destroyed? There's really no good way for us to segue into that. We are both extremely thankful that I think you can correct me if I'm wrong because you live in you are an Andover resident I still believe they have reported no serious injuries and no deaths which is miraculous it is a gift from God that that's the case because an F3 tornado ripped through it caused terrible damage in the little swath that it had and there were several homes that were just about completely destroyed. So we are both extremely thankful that it wasn't any worse than it was. So Tommy, I wanted to give you the floor a little bit here. Uh, You said, hey, you know, we were supposed to do it. I think I need to be out in my neighborhood helping people out. There are a lot of people that need help right now. What is that process like here as we record this? People will be watching this on May 10th. How is that recovery going for Andover after the 2022 Andover tornado? Yeah, I think it's going, you know, as as well as can be expected. Uh, you know, last week was a little tough because there was there was more bad weather. It rained uh, like two straight days, and so that really hampered uh, the the cleanup process. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Um, that that tornado that happened on the 29th of April uh, came right through the neighborhood where my wife and I live, where I'm recording the show right now. Um, we were uh, we were at home. Uh, you know, there had been some storms, but it really didn't seem like there was a whole lot going on. And I'll be honest, it came out of nowhere. Uh, We had a couple of minutes to get prepared for it. The tornado sirens went off. uh, And then my wife looked out the back window and and saw it out our back window. And I mean, it was coming right for us. And so um, we had put our baby down to sleep about an hour before, pulled him out of bed, uh, went down to the basement with the dogs. And we were both pretty convinced that our house was gone. 
Um, <laughs> and, and we were fortunate that we, we, we sustained some really minor damage primarily sure. from, from debris that was, you know, falling out of the sky and hitting our roof and things like that. Um, but man, I mean, just literally a block down from us, uh, just our neighbor's homes gone, just like leveled completely. Um, and so we definitely dodged a bullet. We feel really fortunate. Um, we spent a, a decent amount of that weekend. It happened on a Friday night, right. spent a majority of that weekend, um, helping some of our neighbors. Um, and then, you know, really that, that cleanup process continued into last week. And so to answer your question, I think that a lot of those homes that were pretty much completely gone, a lot of them have been um, bulldozed or are in the process of having everything kind of moved out. And then I'm sure that a rebuild will happen. Uh, but you know, you, you, you look at like the Andover YMCA and, um, I don't know, Blake, if you've ever had a chance to go to the Andover Y, um, I have. it's a very, very nice YMCA. It is um, nice. My, my wife, uh, works out there and has a training group there. Um, and that was really sad to see, you know, the way that that Y was damaged for sure. And so, um, I know they're going to rebuild that, but you know, at the end of the day, we've feel very fortunate. You're absolutely correct. No serious injuries, no deaths. Um, you know, and, and talking to some of our neighbors, um, you know, I think they're all basically thinking, Hey, you know, we're just, we're, you know, things can be replaced. We're, we're just glad that we're all okay. So, um, it was definitely crazy. You know, I've lived in Kansas my entire life. I've, I've seen a handful of tornadoes before that was the closest that it's ever come to, to me. So counting, counting our blessings for sure. Uh, we do want to make a couple of things aware for people who are down here in South Central Kansas. Uh, there is a resource center at the Andover Community Center that's been extended for an additional week. So it'll be the Sunday after you watch this video. The 15th is the last day that they are doing that. And the Salvation Army is actually asking for donations of bottled water because it's going to be so unseasonably hot this week and for people who are displaced uh, there may be some who might need some water to cool off so if you uh can get that to the salvation army in wichita tommy if you want to link something in the description yeah, box if you sure. know some charities uh we'll have that are, that are the united people. way they've the been united great way is doing a lot american uh, red cross yeah. yes red cross is also helping out so tommy if he can find some he'll put a couple of links in the description box if you want to either volunteer your time money you know whatever you you can i know that they would certainly appreciate and it i do want to point out and there there's just been an outpouring of uh, financial support from just so many different organizations and individuals and um, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, the four professional kansas city teams banding together i did uh, the royals the Chiefs, sporting kc and then the WNBA team um i think that's who it was I don't know. Oh, no, another the soccer team, the soccer, women's the women's soccer, soccer team. team. That's what yes. it was. Um, they they all came together to donate, which is great. Uh, and then just I think that announcement came out today. I don't know if you saw this that the Wichita Wind Surge uh, through the Lou Schweckheimer Foundation donating five thousand uh, oh, dollars nice. to local charities uh, in regard to the Andover tornado. So um, you know, really cool to see our local sports team step up as well. And I know that Wichita State has been offering or had offered uh, free admission to Andover yeah. people. Obviously, you know, when you're in a situation like that, um, probably don't have a lot of cash to be going <laughs> sure. out to sporting events. And especially at a time when a lot of those people probably could use a little mental break and go out to, you know, some Shocker softball games. So great to see that as well. Uh, if you're a Shocker fan, uh, this is basically your show. We're going to talk pretty much all Shockers. It's a state of the Shockers 
We are also going to get into the Royals. We do want to bring you a Royals recap about the early part of the season. But we're going to start with Wichita State. There's a lot to get to. We are going to recap where softball is heading into the postseason. Baseball, where they are at. Not done with the regular season, but with a lot of work to do to turn around this season. But we'll begin with the situation in terms of leadership. Darren Boatwright is out as the athletic director of Wichita State University. President Rick Muma making the decision just a few days ago that Darren Boatwright would be removed from his position due to, quote, significant ongoing concerns that became acute in recent weeks, ones that I did not believe could be addressed. And, quote, the reporting is focused primarily and appropriately so on the state of the men's basketball program, particularly the fact that eight scholarship players had entered the transfer portal this spring, widely speculated. It has not been independently verified or confirmed in any story that I have read, but it is widely speculated that this is due to Wichita State not being competitive in the name image likeness or NIL space with other comparable universities who were interested in the services of those players. Boatwright's logic, of course, was that NIL was not, and this was the NCAA's words, not supposed to be a pay-for-play scheme, which is accurate. Of course, we know from watching things around and how there are guys going to Miami to play basketball, getting six-figure salaries, that that is not the case and how it's actually working in practice. Uh, was that overly naive of Darren Boatwright? I am not sure. I'm not going to be the judge of that. However, what was clear, Tommy, was that there were several boosters and fans around the Wichita area who were prepared to judge him on that and were judging him very harshly on that, despite some other successes that he has had. Obviously, right now, the uh, softball program is doing incredible things. But at the end of the day, Athletic directors are fundraisers, and this is yet another bucket of funds that you have to have in order to compete at the highest level. Your thoughts on the change made by WSU President Rick Muma and the exodus of Darren Boatwright from the chair leading the Shockers, uh, Shocker Athletic Program? I think it was the right move. Um, I, I was a little surprised at the timing, uh, to be honest with you, but I know that there was a lot of pressure um, from boosters and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I don't have anything personally against Darren Boatwright. I've never even met Darren Boatwright. Um, but I do believe that he was in a little over his head. Um, let's not forget that Darren Boatwright, yeah, he had a, a tenure with Wichita State. He was with the long university tenure. for a long time. But this was his first time as an athletic director. And he got the job after Eric Sexton left Wichita State back in 2015, 2016, somewhere around that time frame. And I don't, I'm not exactly sure. And I'm not privy to the, uh, the, the, the search for Eric Sexton's replacement, but I, I think that in, in Darren Boatwright, I think, you know, could have had a, a claim to that seat as athletic director, but I'm not sure that he was necessarily the best choice at the time. I think that especially with where Wichita State was trying to move towards. I mean, you think about it, this was before Wichita State moved to the American Conference. Um, you know, this was before all of the allegations against Greg Marshall. Um, you know, this was when, uh, I believe, and, and this, maybe you can correct me if this is wrong at the end sure. of the show. I believe Gene Stevenson was still the head coach at no, Wichita State. When Darren, is that incorrect? That is incorrect. Was, so Gene Stevenson got fired Back in 2013 was the That's last right. time they made it. 
Eric Sexton made that firing and that's the hiring right. of Todd Butler. Todd um, Butler was the coach. That's yeah, right. You'll, you'll recall that they actually won the Missouri Valley Conference tournament to go to the Manhattan Regional that year, which was subsequently erased by the NCAA because of the in a impermissible benefits right um, which you know obviously the uh so the shockers lost more wins for that than penn state lost for the sandusky scandal on right, the field right just one of the still one of the most ludicrous decisions in the history of the ncaa but yeah you can continue so he was uh not involved in the firing that's right although i'm sure that because he was in the athletic office one of his main jobs was actually to help out with basketball scheduling. That was something that he worked hand-in-hand in in with Greg Marshall. I actually talked to him on our show when I was on the radio, and one of the things that they worked with Greg Marshall on was what teams do we need to try to get on the schedule to uh, increase our our resume, to make sure that we are doing what we need to do to get the best possible seed into the NCAA tournament so that we can, you know, advance the furthest, have the best chance to, you know, because obviously making the NCAA tournament for a program like that at a school like Wichita State is a big, big financial bump to the school. So that was kind of his Forte. He got the job in the interim capacity, and then I would, I believe, it was President Bardo elected right. to keep him on full time, and that's how he kind of uh, he kind of stayed in the chair as the interim guy, and then was allowed to remain by President Bardo as the AD. Yeah, and he, you know, so I, going back to my my point, I, I think that he was in a little over his head. Sure. Um, not not that he wasn't qualified um, necessarily, but just. That's a big role, and especially with a university that at the time was on the come up, uh, especially in men's basketball, and looking to change conferences and go to a larger conference, get out of the Missouri Valley, go to the American. He navigated that okay, I would say, and I think a lot of that helped with the success that Greg Marshall had. Um, But you look at all the things that has happened, not just in the athletic department, but with the university as a whole over the last few years. I mean, obviously there's the the Greg Marshall situation and how that was handled. And I'll be the first to say on this program, I, it was on this show, I was a little bit critical of Darren Boatwright's handling of the Greg Marshall situation at the time. Um, that you the, said that he... Th- you thought he could have been more definitive and decisive and actually acted doing what he did, but do it quicker is what you, is that correct? And yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And then also there was such a huge buyout. Um, and, and it led me to believe that because there was this large, you know, Greg Marshall, I think the university at its, when you looked at it at face value, had a case to fire Greg Marshall with cause and not pay him anything. The fact that there was such a large buyout and the fact that nobody was talking on the record led me to believe that there was, you know, speculation only, but some non-disclosures. Maybe there were some things happening behind the scenes that Greg Marshall and his attorneys had threatened that they would go public with, with the athletic department if he wasn't paid up. I'm not, I don't have any proof of that, but that it's hard to not think that that might be the case when you're dealing with a situation like that. So I thought from a financial perspective that the university, including Darren Boatwright, didn't handle that as well as they probably should have. His hand was forced a little bit in hiring Isaac Brown. I think if the, the, the basketball team 
had not rallied around Isaac Brown in the interim role, they probably would have opened up a nationwide search, but they did and they won they, they they won the American. And so you kind of have to hire Isaac Brown at that point. Um, but you know, I, I just I think that especially as you get into conference realignment, what's happening with the American, the fact that you've got teams like Houston and Cincinnati and UCF moving to the Big 12, and then you've got some lesser schools moving into the American, that's a tough road to navigate a little bit with conference realignment. Then you throw in the world of NIL when, yeah, I think Wichita State, to an extent, they were caught with their pants down just, you know, a little bit and not ready for it. I think all those things culminating together. And then you throw in the fact that the university decided that it would be prudent to give Boatwright this massive raise and not be transparent about it. That's not Darren Boatwright's fault necessarily. Taylor Eldridge said in his article, I believe that he tried to turn the raise down and was denied. Uh, They basically forced a raise on him, but still the optics aren't great on that. So all those things combined, I think it's hard to just to ignore. I think you can ignore some of the individual things, but the sum of the whole, I think it makes it hard to, to keep him around. I've only been here since 2012. You're a lifer in Wichita, aren't you, Tommy? Yeah. Um, so you've got three decades, I mean, six decades of experience here. So I would <laughs> not, I would not question your, your judgment. I'm not sure it's always been this way, but at least in the 10 years guy, yeah, it's been t- 10 years, nine days ago in Wichita. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Um, but it seems to me like right now, maybe this was different in the nineties, or the 2000s when the basketball team was not nearly as good and baseball was this huge juggernaut with Gene Stevenson. But right now, you can't have a great athletic department at Wichita State without having at least a good men's basketball program. The Shockers are only one season off of an American Athletic Conference title, but last year was certainly unquestionably disappointing, and the mass exodus came down on Boatwright either fairly or unfairly, obviously, once they had decided that, okay, we need to do something in the NIL space, they formed a collective very quickly. I don't know if they, you know, if the collective is the best thing that they could have gotten, if it was something that was, you know, basically thrown together as quickly as possible just so that they could have something. We certainly they were behind because we had Matt Beatty on our show, a former boss of mine, former co-worker of yours, probably, you know, even though he uh, skipped out on us on lunch, I, we still consider him to be a friend, although you never come to lunch with us. So what does that make you exactly? <laughs> but um, a guy, you know, we talked about he and his brother forming an NIL with Kansas uh, University of Kansas Athletics all the way back. I mean, when did we have him on? It was the first half of 2021. Yeah, it was. I think it was uh, like in the summer of last year. Yeah, it was. So, it mean, was right after they announced the NIL. I think that's right. Deal. And they and, and they, they were on it pretty quickly. They did not. I mean, which if I think you'll agree, if you know Matt, they're not waiting for somebody to scoop no. them. They're going to no. go and get yeah. in as fast as possible. The Beatty brothers aren't here to mess around. No. So there were certainly other groups, universities, teams that were moving in that direction. And I think that the feeling is that Wichita State had just allowed things to become so stagnant. They had fallen so far behind 
in that avenue. I remember hearing a few things like, oh, yeah, they're going to have some softball players in these Carlos O'Kelly's commercials and current players be able to go to do Carlos O'Kelly's commercials, which is, you know, a little bit different than, well, you know, we got Craig Porter back because the NIL deal came and he's got a new car and all this other stuff, which, you know, this is not the show to argue whether or not that is correct or not correct or proper, improper, you know. It's reality, though. That's the way that it is. And Wichita State, as you mentioned, was totally taken aback and blindsided by that. Whether it's right or wrong, if you and I had a sports talk show, we would have done a segment on this, probably could have done a full hour on this and taken calls on this. Maybe have done a whole, you know, taken it over to the second day of our two-hour show, okay? But this is focused on Wichita State. We are doing a Wichita sports podcast. And there is no question in my mind the amount of distance that Wichita State had to cover just to catch up to where the other schools were, I think, is the ultimate thing that did in Darren Boatwright the most. And he accomplished good things for the athletic department. I, he did. I, I believe that he did. And like I don't what? Um, I mean, the softball program doing very, very well. I understand that there has not been a capital program since, gosh, was it the renovation of Coke Arena? Coke Arena. That and, was almost 25 years ago. And ADs are fundraisers. There are numbers out there suggesting revenue is down in a bunch of key areas. Donations were down in a bunch of key areas. Attendance is down in a bunch of key areas. Obviously, some of that has to do with the pandemic. Money machine go burr. We're printing money in the, as a government. The economy is not doing great right now. So some of that is to be expected. Obviously, Tommy, for the people who matter, the guys with these, with the dollars that support Wichita State Athletics, in their minds, what had been done was not good enough. And I think that they went to MUMA, and then I don't have any knowledge of this, but this is just how this happens. They probably went to the president and said, hey, you know, if you want our sponsorship, our support, our season tickets, all this, you know, we would like you to strongly consider making a change. They, they put up billboards uh, around town. I saw, I, I saw um, you know, that they, they had the funds, to, you know, to do that. She, uh, save shocker sports. Um, Doc, yeah. Dot net or dot com, it, whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a whole new world in college athletics. Um, and it's, it's not slowing down. It, it's, it's going to continue and uh, whether or not it's right or wrong or the way it should be or not, it's the way that it is. And, you know, you either adapt or you die. And and that's the world of college athletics right now. There were a handful of shocker athletes that got small NIL deals. Tyson Etienne filmed a TV commercial for a local pizza. I think it's pizza or it's called Peace, Love and Pie. I'm pretty sure it's pizza. Yeah, I think that's um, pizza. Yes, I think you're right. Filmed a local commercial for them, probably made a couple hundred bucks would be my guess to do that. You know, there was a Carlos O'Kelly's, you know, thing that happened briefly, but there was nothing that was representing the overall interests of the athletes in, in, in that regard, in the NIL space. Nobody representing them to go out and talk about deals on their behalf. Again, we're not here to debate the ethics of it or the right and wrong. That's going to be something that's honestly going to be argued in court between the NCAA and lawyers. Um, I, I think eventually it's probably going to turn into some sort of union for 
college athletes I wouldn't surprise sure. me and there's going to be a collective bargaining agreement I, I'm guessing that's the new the, word. the new president of the NCAA will have something to say right. with that that's Mark Emmert's probably out. yeah that's probably the road that we're headed down at the end of the day though for Wichita State you adapt or you die and Darren Boatwright didn't Did adapt, adapt and he's not there anymore and where I think there are ramifications with this is if if you are Isaac Brown, I'm thinking of two coaches, Isaac Brown and Eric Wedge. Whoever mm-hmm. your new athletic director is, rest assured, Wichita State and their search committee, they're going to do a nationwide search this time. They're not yes. promoting from within. They're going no. to find someone who can help carry Wichita State into the next decade of college athletics, whatever that holds. Whatever the American Conference looks like. Do they stay in the American Conference long term? I don't know. I think it depends on the TV deals and what things look like moving forward. But if I'm Isaac Brown and if I'm Eric Wedge, you, you've you got to be thinking, all right, well, we were Darren Boatwright's guys for better yes. or for worse. And it's time to it's time to to put up or shut up, um, especially, I would say, in the case of Eric Wedge. I know basketball is incredibly important. Isaac Brown was the emotional favorite a couple of years ago. I think even with a um, even with a new athletic director, he's going to have a little bit more slack. I think sure. to try to he turn has things a around. Track record of being on Coach he was Marshall's the, staff. Yeah, and he was the American Coach of the Year last year, like yes. that. You know, and so for on a quick sidebar, I've heard from several different people that are Shocker fans that have said they need to fire Isaac Brown right now and start Why? over. And I'm like, he's he he won the American Coach of the Year last year. Like, are you out of your minds? Like, you got to give him a little yeah, bit more time. That. Is he the forever savior of Shocker basketball? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't. I, mean, know. I, think yeah, the, I don't know. I, but you can't. I think fire the jury. Now. I think the jury is still out on that. But if yes. I'm Eric wedge he came in as again kind of an emotional favorite the you know the 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 all the guy who it was his alma mater the graduate the former shocker player gene stevenson family tree he had big league experience sure he managed at the highest levels played college baseball here at the highest level but didn't have a ton of success as a big league manager but that's neither here nor there uh but was a big league manager for a couple of different teams coming back home the prodigal son returns and it's not been all rainbows and butterflies for eric wedge especially this year and so if i'm eric wedge i'm thinking now's the time we've got to get this program turned around because i'm thinking his leash out of everyone's is probably the shortest whoever that new ad is yeah i mean in my mind i think coach lamb has got the longest leash i like you can't fire I, you can't fire Coach Lamb. Just you're it, not firing Bread Benner. She's not going anywhere. No, yeah, those two. You're feeling really safe. I would throw, you know, Coach Adams. Like women's sure. basketball has kind of just been. I'm not saying they had a bad season. Definitely didn't have a great season this year. As we wrap this up and move on to the rest of our shocker roundup here, as we kind of update people, we'll get to softball right after this. Any names? Any any people that you have pegged? for being the next AD at Wichita State that you think would be a great fit? Um, That's a really good question. You know, I, I think that, I don't know if I have a specific name in mind, but I have a type in mind that the Shockers should go after. Ooh, what's your type, Tommy? I think, I think, I think if, if I'm President Muma, if I'm on the search committee, you have to go with someone established, someone with a track record. Um, it's not going to work 
to promote from within, and it's not going to work to give an assistant AD from somewhere their first athletic director job. It's also probably not going to work to have somebody come in from a smaller conference. I think you have to try to get someone, and you're probably going to have to pay them, to come from a comparable school and a comparable conference and try to bring them over to Wichita State. Um, Someone that is well-versed in what conference realignment and the TV deals are looking like right now. Um, and where the American stands in that and what Wichita State's piece of the pie will look like in that in the next, not just two or three years, but seven or eight, 12 to 13 years down the road. You need somebody well-versed in that. And you need somebody who is going to be on the forefront of the developments with NIL um, because it's it's not going away. I know the NCAA wants it to be regulated more. It sounds like they're there has been movement in that as recently as less than 24 hours ago that I'm still not completely sure as to what's going on with it, but it's not going away. Rest assured, it's not going away. Not completely. Uh, it's, it's going to stay in some capacity. So you need somebody who can be on the forefront of that. Those were the two areas that Darren Boatwright unfortunately failed in, uh, is really being able to navigate the world of conference realignment. I'm not saying that the American schools leaving to go to the Big 12 was his fault necessarily, but he led the ship of Wichita State moving to the American, and just a couple of years later, the top schools in that conference are gone. They're going I mean, to be gone. That's I, not his fault. But No, I, I don't think uh, – you look back at that, and he said at the time when the departures happened, like, hey, this was a calculated risk. There was literally nobody on the planet who was saying, yeah, let's stay, let's stay in the Missouri Valley no. Conference. And I'm I not saying it was the wrong move. I'm right. just saying that, unfortunately, he was the leader of the ship. And it was sort of like True. this this, this uh, promised land of top-tier competition. And we're leaving the Missouri Valley. We're too good for them now. We're going over here. We're going to be playing teams and like... it was at the time. We're going to be playing teams like Cincinnati and Houston and UConn. UConn. Let's not forget UConn was in that conference, sure. too. They're all gone or going to be gone. And so, you know, I think that you, you've got to have somebody who can help you navigate what conference realignment looks like long term for Wichita State and where they fit in as a non-football school. And then, of course, everything with NIL. So that's kind of my type. I think you need somebody established, somebody with a track record and somebody from a comparable school. Well, two out of three ain't bad, but I, I, I will throw out one name, and it again is our mutual friend, Matt Beatty, uh, who <laughs> I go to because he has worked at Wichita State, raised a lot of money for them, worked yeah. at University of Kansas, raised a lot of money. He had a name, the Cleveland State Athletic Director, Scott Garrett, which obviously okay. Cleveland State is not a comparable university, but in his words, a former assistant AD, uh, at Wichita State, senior associate AD at Kansas State, now the head guy at Cleveland State. And on the top, the second thing that they list, doubled membership in the Viking Fund in the second year of existence, increasing overall giving to the AD, uh, athletics department by 30% with a record CSU giving day total of $300,000, which, uh, I mean, it's a lot of money no matter what school that you're at. $300,000 is a lot of scratch. So. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's who he thinks. And, and I, I, I think that my, my final point uh, with everything with Wichita State is that I think the fans are justified in 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 wanting improvement. Um, of course, there, there was there was a, a stretch, um, I think, from probably I think it started 
when Wichita State won the NIT, and that was back in 2011 under sure. Greg Marshall. And that stretch, I think, continued until, I don't know, 2017 or 2018. And a lot of it was driven by Greg Marshall and basketball. But there's a lot that that university and that athletic department has endured over the last few years. Not only, and let's just recap it real quick. Not only was there the Greg Marshall investigation and scandal, uh, let's not forget that President John Bardo died. Uh, and then his replacement only lasted for less than a year, Jay Golden. And there, oh, was, yeah. the controver- there was the controversy with... Ivanka Trump speaking at commencement and a lot of people thought that and then she got canceled a lot of people thought that he was to blame for that so that all went down of course Jody Adams Jody Adams and that whole situation there's been a lot that has happened with Wichita State Um, and and so I think that the other in it's this is kind of an intangible it's not necessarily conference realignment it's not necessarily nil fundraising or whatever this is an intangible and this comes to the character of the person that they bring in they need somebody who can help provide some stability at the top in that athletic department uh, and i think president muma is someone who's going to be there for a while and i think he needs a counterpart in the athletic department who can help provide that stability and get wichita state back on the right track One program that is on the right track is Wichita State softball, as unfortunately losing their last series, but they had a 12-game winning streak going into it. They finished the regular season as we continue our Shocker roundout here, roundup as we look into the last weeks of May. That's when we'll have our next show here in a couple of weeks, but the Shocker softball team, 32-15. and They go 14-4 and in the conference, and their losses have come to number 21 UCF in conference play. They also lost two of three to South Florida. This has been such an unbelievable offense. They are by far and away the best offensive team in the conference. They're hitting 349, over 50 points clear of UCF. They hit 113 homers. They hit over a third of all the home runs in the whole conference. They had a third of them at (laughs) Wichita State. They led in runs, hits doubles, and RBIs. The limiting factor is pitching, which we thought coming into the season might be the the limiting factor. It has been. Wichita State much improved. An ERA of just over four, but they're simply middle of the pack at American when it comes to pitching. USF, UCF has the dominant pitching staffs. Sidney McKinney and Addison Barnard have been incredible. McKinney's hitting 497, getting on base 55% of the time. Shockers have six players with 10 home runs, and Addison Barnard is hitting 409, OPS of 1,500, slugging 1,000 with 30 dingers, 77 RBIs, 25 of 29 on steals. And, and we don't even talk about Lauren Lucas, who's also hitting 409, and Neely Herring as well is having a great offensive season. But like, who are these people compared to McKinney and Barnard? The Shocker pitching staff. Feels much stronger top to bottom with Allison Cooper leading the way with an ERA of 3.24, but they still just don't have that ace that you can count on to keep you close into the sixth or seventh inning of any game. And if the offense doesn't show up, those are the kind of games that Wichita State just can't be competitive in. Similar to the loss against number six, Oklahoma State. 4-1, 4-1, to one, just can't punch through against elite pitching. You've got the last games against Central Florida. 3-1 loss at eight innings on Saturday at Wilkins Stadium. They lose 9-5. The pitch in, in game three to number 21 UCF. The team scores a bleep ton of runs. They are an incredible offensive force. 
but there have been pitchers this year that have found a way to keep them down. Not for a series. There hasn't been a single series that they've really been held in check outside of South Florida. South Florida mowed them down. They scored eight runs the entire South Florida series. South Florida pitching has you know maybe the best pitching staff in the conference, so you have to tip your cap to the Bulls. But outside of that, there have been games as well, though. The Oklahoma game, 10-1, they got run-rolled after five. Oklahoma State shut them out in the Stillwater game down at Cowgirl Stadium. They scored just two runs against the Cowgirls later on. And then when the Cowgirls came back up to Wichita, they scored just one run against the Cowgirls. So against the elite of the elite teams, the Power Five teams, the kind of teams that you're going to have to win to get to a Super Regional, to get to a Women's College World Series, this team has proven that they can be held in check. Now, is there any is there any chance that Memphis is going to hold them in check? That answer would be no, because they scored like 40 runs in three games against Memphis. So Memphis is probably going to be looking like seven shots <laughs> like they gave up, or East Carolina, whoever it was, when they gave up seven home runs in one game or one inning or whatever it was. But I worry about this team if they make the dance. I don't know where they are in terms of – like the at-large bid or seating, but uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts on this shocker softball team that had some lumps, took some bumps and bruises early, playing against elite competition, but you know, a 12-game winning streak that was just snapped by UCF. They certainly turned things around, and they're playing some of their best offensive softball at the very least coming into the last month of the season. Two things stand out to me as far as being concerning, and one of them you touched on, and that's just the the shockers play against ranked opponents uh, all season long. They've won one game against an opponent ranked in the top 25. And that was that opening game against UCF. They beat them mm-hmm. 11 to four. They lost the the remaining two games in that series. And then as you mentioned, the games against teams like Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, um, they played a couple of other uh, Arkansas. Think, yes, they played a Arkansas couple of other ranked opponents. They've not won a single game against another ranked opponent this season. Um, so I, I do share your concern there, especially when you get out of the conference tournament and you get into a, a, a super regional or that sort of thing. I mean, think back to last year. We were talking about how great this team was, and then they had to go to the Norman regional. And, you know, they're, they're playing OU, and it just felt like such an unfair draw. Um, and we talked about that, it last year that because of the regionalization, yep. you are going to have to get to a point where you host or yep. – Accept the fact that you are going to have to go to Oklahoma State or go to Oklahoma and, and be able beat to beat them. them. And, and yeah. probably not just beat them, Tommy, probably have to beat them yeah. twice on their and, field. And the, the, the sample size this season against those exact same two teams is that right now Shocker Softball can't beat them. Not, they couldn't beat no. them last year. They can't beat them this year. And that's, I'm not trying to knock Shocker Softball. What Coach Bredbender does, has done is great. And they have a great squad incredible players but it's that's kind of the monkey on their back right now is those ranked opponents specifically OU and OSU and you know because of the proximity of Wichita to either Stillwater or Norman more than likely that's where the shockers are going to find themselves and and, and don't get me wrong i think that's why 
part of the reason why the Shockers play those two teams in the regular season oh, is to at least try to get a little bit of a sense of what they are before you get into postseason yeah, let's, play. Let's give Coach Breadbetter some credit. She's not backing down. No, like, she's not at all. Willing, she is, okay, there's the wall. Let me run my head into it as often as right. possible because, you know, you can't, unless you're trying to run through the wall, you're never going to break through unless you're testing yourself like that. So all yeah. credit in the world to her. I think she's doing the right things, but sure. Oklahoma is a hell of a program. Yep. Oklahoma the State other, is a hell of a program. The other thing that's a little bit concerning to me is that when you compare the home and away splits for this team, and this is the case for a lot of teams, just in general, a lot of teams play better at home than they do on the road, and sure. that makes perfect sense. However, the Shockers are weaker on the road for sure. They are above 500, but they're 12 and 10 on the road. So you're talking about going on the road more than likely once you get into regional play. So you're playing more than likely you're going to be playing an OU or an OSU and you're going to be on the road in their house. Those two things are concerning for me in postseason play for this Shocker squad. You'd like to think that they're able to, to just sort of bulldoze their way through the conference tournament gain that that momentum that they need uh and maybe it'll be a different outcome this year than it was a year ago um i think the only thing that i I look at is that really this team is not much different from a year ago as far as the personnel there are a couple of people that are a couple of girls that are gone is improved pitching is is pitching is different for sure but by and large it's it's a lot of the same faces this year so can they respond after what they encountered last year in postseason play can they do it a little bit different and flip the script on either an OU or an OSU? Wichita State is 37th right now in the RPI. Would certainly be great to get a win against Central Florida. Central Florida is 16th in the RPI. So if you could get one from them, I didn't look up where South Florida is in the RPI. And it's probably because they don't have, because they're not listed by, okay, they're 39th. So it's a very comparable RPI team. So they have a chance to get a couple of top 50 RPI wins. I'm not as much of an expert as to whether or not how meaningful those wins are as compared to like, let's say men's basketball where, Hey, a top 50 win in the RPI is kind of a big deal. It feels like if you can win uh, a couple of games there against UCF, maybe you've got a chance to get in. Even if you don't win the tournament, certainly winning the tournament would be the automatic bid, which would be fantastic. They are going to be taking on Memphis on Thursday, the 12th. That'll be on ESPN+. Plus. It is a seven-seed matchup, a two-versus-seven. The other thing that I hate, Tommy, is that the American Athletic Conference softball tournament is single elimination, which is terrible. I hate that. I think it's bad for the sport, bad for the players, bad for the girls. I, I, dis, I, I hate, I cannot tell you how much I loathe that they don't play double elimination. The good thing is, you mentioned the road record. Did you check out the neutral site record? Because there's a good yeah. chance you're going to be playing neutral site games. Sure. They're 12-2 yeah. and two in yeah. neutral site games. So not everybody at the Norman Regional, as we saw last year, because they had to play Texas A&M, 
not everybody is going to be one of those top two teams. I think against those other teams, Wichita State can be extremely competitive. Not just competitive, I think that they can play against probably any non-top 25 team in any Power 5 conference. I think you can throw them in the SEC. We saw it last year, Tommy, and I know that people will look at me and say, what are you talking about? Don't you know the SEC is literally the best conference and they have like six teams in the top 25? I get that. Look at what they did to an unranked Texas A&M team last year in the postseason. Look what they did. So yeah. tell me that they that they if they went into the SEC right now, I know that it's different when you're playing them week in, week out, grinding week in and week out, but you cannot convince me that they can't be a middle-tier team in any Power 5 conference. I, I can't be convinced of that right now with Addison Barnard hitting 30 home runs, six shocker players hitting 10-plus home runs, and you know McKinney... OPS is like a fifteen hundred. That's that's insane. Yeah, I, I think you look at what they are able to do offensively, and that's the case. I mean, I think they can absolutely hang with anybody uh, from an offensive perspective. But as you Pitch mentioned, pitching you have is to improved. Get over the hump, but you yes. have to you have to be able to get over that hump. And you know, I, I think that the more that, and again, you mentioned it before. Hats off to Coach Breadbenner for scheduling these teams oh, in the regular season. She I think will the play more anybody who will who dares to play Wichita State. The the more that you get that kind of exposure for those players, the better off they're going to be in the long run. Well, uh, unfortunately for Shocker fans, this may be the time of the video where we tell you, you know, like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you tell a friend about all the nice things that we said about your program, or maybe not nice things. So, you, I mean, if you think that we, you have, oh, I can't believe they said that about this. Um, you can, you know, come on and leave us hate mail, I guess. But. Uh, this is not going to be your favorite segment coming up because we are talking Wichita State baseball, which as of today in the uh, American Athletic Conference standings, the Shockers are in last place, 16 and 32, 5 and 13 in conference play. Wichita State has some individual performances that have been tremendous this year, but a huge contrast between softball and baseball. Unless Wichita State catches on fire, this could be the worst season in the modern era of the program, and it could be the worst overall since Verlin Anderson's last season in 1970, coaching the Shockers when the Shockers went 6-17 and and abandoned the program for the third time. The Shockers currently, Tommy, are the worst offensive team in the league. They have the least, the worst batting average at 256. They're the second worst pitching team with an ERA of just under six. They've got no shockers individually in the top 10 in batting average. The Brock Rodden has had a good year. He's hitting 324. Cameron Bay has been tremendous, a four and one record, ERA just over two and a half. The Shockers at one point had lost 11 in a row. They've now lost three out of four after beating Memphis games two and three to win that series, ending the losing streak. Cardinal Holden's done a good job out of the pen for the Shockers, a 2.6 ERA and 21 appearances. I think the starting pitching has been good enough. Peyton Tolia is living up to the hype for sure as a starter. Caden Favors has an ERA under three out of the bullpen. But there are a ton of guys with some ugly ugly numbers in the bullpen and a lot of those guys 
have been run out there 10 plus times this year. This Shocker baseball team is not putting together the good year. You mentioned some of the hot seat that Eric Wedge could be on with the new athletic department and some momentum that had been building around the program. Uh, this is, it feels like all of the good vibes from last year when you felt like, okay, 31 and 23, 18 wins in the American coming off of a pandemic in which we started 13 and two, like, okay, we had a slow start, but we started to figure things out late in the year. We had a great series against Houston, maybe without some injuries, maybe things go our way and, and we have a, you know, a few things slip around. We got a 35 win season to win 20 conference games and you have some optimism. It's, it feels like, and I know there's still a couple of weeks of the regular season left, but boy, Tommy, it sure feels like a lot of those good vibes and positive emotions have been given back just because the Shockers just haven't played consistently well for really, unfortunately, any stretch of the season. Yeah, they haven't uh, at all. And, you know, I, they've like won February seven. February, first week of March, maybe that's it. Yeah, they, they've won seven games at home. Uh, that's it. Um, that's you know, impossible, and, and, right? And, X, you know, X Stadium, um, that was as close to a guaranteed win for a long time, for many years, as you could get, you were playing in X stadium and you were the shockers. You were probably going to win um, seven and 16 at home. This is a, a crossroads for the Eric wedge era at Wichita state. He is, he's been the head coach for the shockers since 2019. Now, obviously we are coming off a pandemic. Um, I think 2020 but, was his first was the that was the first season. He was, he was yeah, but he was named right. in 2019, right? So this is his third right. his third season at Wichita State. He should have his culture fully installed by now. These are his guys that are that are there that are in this program. They're they performed better a year ago when it wasn't all his guys. I mean, like right? I mean, like some of them were still holdovers sure were, from. Yeah. From Todd Butler, right? Uh, and, and so I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like now it's now's the time. I, you know, you need to salvage what you can at the end of this season. You've got seven regular season games left. Um, you're, you're not going to get to 500, but you can at least improve a little bit upon that record. Try to get a better seating in the conference tournament and try to make a little bit of a run here. Now is the time to do that and then really regroup in the offseason and figure out what went wrong and what are we going to do to change that? You mentioned the the pitching. Um, Brent Kimnitz is still a part of, now he's not a part of the program. He's still around Wichita State. He's not the pitching right. coach anymore. But you think about that was a lot of what carried Wichita State in their heyday was Brent Kimnitz and dominant pitching and oh, sure. just the names that came through Wichita State. Unfortunately, one of the names that came through Wichita State is now the pitching coach, and that's Mike Pelfrey. And Mike Pelfrey is a shocker through and through, did a lot for the shocker program as a pitcher. You've got the second worst pitching in the conference. Is Mike Pelfrey your guy long term? I don't know. Are there other issues that need to be addressed um, with the coaching staff, with the guys you've got on the team? What, wh Where does this all stem from? I don't have the answers necessarily. I just know that the questions are there, and it's time that they start to get answered. Yeah, I, I like Mike Pelfrey. I got to work with him. I, I am biased. He was the pitching coach at Newman before he went over to go to Wichita State. You'll recall that he is actually one of those holdovers from the Todd Butler era. Sure. Um, and, and like I mentioned, they do have some really, really good pitching. 
the problem is that they do not have the depth in their bullpen that I think Mike would like to have. I think, like I said, I believe that their starters are good enough to be competitive at the level that we would say where they are in terms of where the program is coming off the rebuild, coming off the Todd Butler era. Do they have a starting rotation that's going to get you to the College World Series? No, plainly not. But do they have a rotation that I think could get you to the NCAA tournament if other things were in place on the team? I do. I think that they have some relievers that are good enough to be the kind of guys that can get you into the NCAA tournament. But unfortunately, as I mentioned, they have a lot of guys in that bullpen who have been run out there 10-plus times and are not performing well and have not you know, necessarily shown great improvement. The Shockers' offense is also just not very good at this point. They've got the fewest runs, the third-fewest hits, they're second in homers, which is a positive thing. They are hitting a bunch of home runs, but oh my word, do they strike out a lot. They've struck out 447 times in 48 games. It's the most in the league. They've grounded into 25 double plays. They're just an average defensive team in fielding. They've issued the second most walks, and they've given up the most hits to the pitching staff in the league. So, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, the respite is not coming this year for Wichita State Baseball. They've got Tulane coming up, X Stadium, three games set starting Friday. That's a 6 o'clock start. It's going to be on the Plus. In fact, I think all of their regular season games here on out are going to be on ESPN+. Plus. They've got one more midweek against Oklahoma on May 16th. That'll be the last home game of the year. So they're going to play four straight games at home, and then they head out to South Florida for the last series of the season ending up May 21st and then Memorial Day weekend into the American Athletic Conference Championship at Baycare Ballpark in Clearwater, Florida. Certainly, unless they get on absolute fire and win the AAC tournament, they're not going to the postseason. You know, no. The next two <clears throat> series don't really, I mean, they don't matter that much. Obviously, you don't want to lose out and not finish with at least 20 wins. You want to, you know, have, you don't want to have the worst year in the modern era of shocker baseball well but it's and, it's on the next season now right yeah the 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 last thing i want to say just to put yeah, this I'll, into perspective yeah, yeah you can as, have the last word as to where this program is right now under eric wedge and why it's important that things get fixed as quickly as they can with eric wedge is that this program this season has to win five of its final seven games to match the fewest wins in the Todd Butler area mm-hmm. era, you know, Todd Butler was, was the head coach for six years. His worst record was in 2016. The shockers went 21 and 37. So Eric Wedge's team has to win five games to get to 20, to get to 21 wins. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they'll have the worst, any a worse record than Todd Butler ever had at Wichita state. And that's a big reason why he got ran out of town. Yeah. So th- that's, that's where this program is right now. It's not dire. It's not a lost cause. It's not hopeless. But now's the time to get it fixed. Well, uh, those exact words, Tommy, can kind of be applied to our next topic. It's not dire, and it's not completely without hope yet. But boy, the things you got to get fixed for your Kansas City Royals. Uh, and I'm speaking to our audience here because they're mine as well. Uh, one of our favorite games in previous years on the show was playing, Do the Royals Suck? I think that it is too early to tell. We're barely 30 games into the season for some of these MLB clubs. 
But the Royals so far is 9-17. and 17. Is it too early to go ahead and nail the coffin shut? Absolutely. But the early indications, if we're you know using an election reference, the early indications at the poll are not looking good for this referendum because Kansas City has lost 7 of 10. They have the worst run differential in the American League at minus 44, which, by the way, is the worst by 12 runs. They're 7-10 against teams that are better than 500, which means they are 2-7 and seven against bad teams that are 500 or worse. They started strong going 15-9 in April last year, but had a miserable May, a miserable June. They have had a miserable start this year. Offensively, your guy, and I have to say, Weston's guy, and I'll hot take for myself, didn't like the acquisition at the time. Andrew Benintendi this year is getting the job done. He is flat out hitting the ball for Kansas City. Unfortunately, that's pretty much it offensively. The Royals are getting pretty much next to nothing from anybody else on the roster. Adalberto Mondesi is already out. He's already off the team with an injury. And we are not, we, we hadn't even gotten to Memorial Day, and he is already probably not going to play for the rest of the year. Nicky Lopez of Whitmerfield, they are way off their pace from last year. And there's no reason to believe that Whitmerfield's going to hit 130 for the whole year, obviously. But Salvador Perez, uh, is just he's hit five home runs, but he is not the player he was last year. Bobby Witt, obviously, he is a rookie. He has not figured it out. And the sad thing, Tommy, the Royals have actually gotten some pretty solid pitching. Zach Greinke is winless in six starts, but he's got an ERA of under three. Brad Keller, the Brad Keller that I maligned, that I drugged through the mud all last season, in five starts, he's got an ERA of 1.74. That Brad Keller. He's been tremendous. His whip's under one. And another guy who I absolutely trashed and said would never play and was not good enough for my slow-pitch softball team, Daniel Lynch. Five starts. You know what? He's not going to win a Cy Young, not going to be an all-star, but an ERA of 4.01, a little high on the whip, but I will not complain. Dramatic improvement. Unfortunately, there are a bunch of guys that are terrible. Like Chris Bubich is an absolute disaster. He is awful. An ERA of 13. Jake Brents out of the bullpen has an ERA of 23 and a half. And I'm most disappointed with Carlos Hernandez, who hasn't been just you know ungodly awful. His ERA is seven. It's still early, five starts. I thought he was a guy who could maybe you know take an extra step up this year. He has not. So, Tommy, uh, there's a lot. There are very few positive things on the offense. There are more positive things in pitching, but I feel like the Royals are wasting some very good starts. Much better start than I thought for the season from Zach Greinke than I ever thought that he would be able to do at the age that he is. And the Royals' offense cannot hit the ball. They did. They cannot hit the ball and score runs. Yeah, they're going to need you know some guys to to step up and and. I think they, I think they will. I mean, you know, you happen to have a handful of guys who are all slumping at the same time. They've gotten out of the gate slow. <laughs> I, I, I think, I think that you know, I want to mention Salvador Perez. I, I think we all knew he he wasn't going to be able to duplicate or replicate sure, what he was able fair. to do last year. Um, you know, he he's he's hitting home runs, five home runs, 10 RBIs I believe, but his batting average is under the Mendoza line. He's not going to be a 300 hitter. Um, 
I, I think I think he'll make more contact. I think he's going to be probably in the mid two, you know, mid twos at some point. Um, it'll it'll click for him for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just I feel like you look you look at the last fifteen games or so for the Royals. There's a lot of games where they're scoring zero runs or one <laughs> one run. Uh, like today. They're shut out. Yeah, exactly. And, by the Orioles. You know, Baltimore is not a juggernaut by no, any means. They're not good. They're know? the second and, worst team behind only the Royals. And, the, the, you know, the Orioles took two out of three, you know, from them. Uh, this is a grueling stretch for Kansas City. I was watching the the game. Uh, one, I think it was game two of the doubleheader yesterday uh, for a little while. And they were talking about how the Royals have 19 games in 17 days. They don't get a day off until May 23rd. They're playing a couple different doubleheaders uh, in that stretch. Right. There's a lot of baseball coming up and it, it's not make or break time. It's not do or die time. It's still early. But as they like to say, you can't win the division in May, but you can probably lose it. You can it lose in it, May. yeah. And and so this is a a critical stretch for Kansas City. Um, I'm with you. I think the pitching is better. It's improved from sure. where it was a year ago. That's what we ta- we talked about it multiple times. It's been the narrative that you know Royals pitching needed to improve for them to take a step forward. I think it has. It's just the the hitting now isn't there. Like no, they no. just can't get both areas to work at the same time. Um, but I, I do think you see those raw flashes from Bobby Witt Jr. I think MJ Melendez is going to be a guy who will contribute down the road for Kansas City. Um, you know, I think that uh, uh, Kyle Isbell is also someone. I mean, the, the the pieces are there down the road for this Royals team and the young the young pieces that they have to be successful. It's just a matter of, can they get it going this season? It's still too early to tell. Um, I think they can. It's just going to be a matter of if they will. Six straight games on the road for Kansas City after this. They just wrapped up the three-game series against the Orioles, losing two of three, including the 6-1 loss today on getaway day. They've got three night games coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at Texas, 7.05, first pitch for all of them, and then out to the Rockies for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday before the next home game starts on Monday, a home series, a rare five-game home stretch against the White Sox, Four, ga- uh, four days, five games. They'll have a doubleheader on Tuesday and then three straight against the Twins. Then they go to Arizona for two before finally a day off on Wednesday the 25th. So that is what is is in store for the Kansas City Royals. One game out of last place in the American League Central. Yeah, there is a lot of work to be done there for the boys in blue. Not much work left for us to do, however. Just one little piece of business here. It is time to hit the music as we go around Wichita. It's time for our Wichita rip, whip around. And uh, we've got about a month or so of stuff. Uh, I've only brought one story because I follow the rules, but I'm assuming that you've got several different options. Uh, Tommy, for your whip around, which way are you going to go? Well, I actually only have one story as well wow. because I do too follow the rules. Uh, and we're going to go to the NFL draft, Wichita native Brees Hall, drafted by the New York Jets. Uh, 36th overall pick. Of course, we all know what Brees Hall did at Iowa State. Well deserved for him, Wichita kid. Headed to the Big Apple, the New York Jets, and uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, believe it or not, that was actually my well, that was actually my pick as well. Okay, uh, so I what a short to, segment this is going to be. Yeah, I, I suppose so. 
Um, I do have to acknowledge uh, Addison Barnard of Wichita State Softball because she has gotten so many of these records and national accolades. And uh, let's see, McKinney was chosen for the final weekly honor roll. I don't think that they have the American Athletic Conference softball teams out yet, but I have to imagine that there are going to be a ton of shockers on that team. I know that I think Addison Barter maybe has been the national player of the week several times. Yeah, they don't have the softball American Athletic Conference. What are we waiting on? Get the get the team out. What are we what are we doing here? It's 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 almost Tuesday. Get it out. Um, so probably tomorrow as people are watching this, um, I mean, I don't know how they break it down. Each conference does it a little differently, but if they have an offensive player of the year, you got to think that McKinney or Addison Barner are going to be up there in the running. I think that Lucas is going to be a first team all conference player. Neely Herring is going to be a second team all conference player. Uh, you're going to have a chance for about four shockers to be on that first or second team, and probably you know one to two others that should be honorable mention. So I expect to see a ton of love coming in for Shocker softball. I don't think Brett Benner is going to win Coach of the Year. I think that it's probably going to be Central Florida's coach is going to win Coach of the Year because you know the team that wins is typically the one that gets all those accolades. Uh, but a lot of awards should be coming in for Wichita State softball. That is it for the whip around. You're right; it was a shorter whip around today. And our last segment. Uh, uh, any additions, corrections, or attractions for you, Tommy? I do have a quick addition, and this is something yeah. that uh, we don't necessarily need to get into on this show. Um, we can save it for another time if we so choose or not, either way. Um, but I, I, I think we would be remiss to um, not mention that there was an article in the Wichita Eagle regarding the Wichita wind surge. Um, I believe a, a, a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, this might have been the most hard-hitting one of them all mm -hmm. about how allegedly there are or there were many promises that the organization has made to the city that they have not uh, allegedly lived up to again that's not for us to necessarily decide uh, sure. but it is out there that the team is playing right now i've been to a couple of the games i can tell attendance is down somewhat from a year ago, which I think is to be expected. It's the second year. The novelty is not uh, you know, quite there as much as it was a year ago. It's still a fun atmosphere. I still love Riverfront Stadium and, and going to games there. But there are some things that I think are rubbing some people the wrong way. So definitely interested, in, interesting and uh, something to keep an eye on. Certainly one of the things that people did not like was the fact that there is this development fee that has been tacked on. The GM basically said, you know, we're playing the long game and uh, he understands that, you know, people did not like that and we're not, you know, I think that the, you know, the, the long and short of it is, and you don't have to necessarily, I'm not breaking any news here, but a lot of Wichita's feel like the team got a hell of a deal on their stadium. They got a bunch of land to develop that they got for basically a dollar. And, you know, now they're asking for more in the term in terms of fees that are being added on to anything you buy at the ballpark. You buy a pop, you buy a jacket, you buy a uniform at the merchandise store, um, that there is a fee that's being tacked onto it for development. Will development be a good thing for the city of Wichita long term? I think it could be. It's possible. There be, you know, there's a lot of things that I've seen about plans for the river that look great and, and could be a big stimulus for the economy, for jobs, make that a real attractive area, 
you know, build growth on that side of the river. I believe that the Metropolitan Baptist Church is finally sold, so they're going to have that air area there. Uh, it's going to be hard to believe that that huge church that didn't, wasn't the rumor or is it the myth that Satchel Paige like hit the church with a home run? Isn't that? Oh, I don't in, know. In the NBC World Series, I think somebody I said like, "Oh yeah, one time, yeah, it was a 650 foot shot, and he hit the church." I mean, um, it wasn't uncommon in the days of, you know, the of Lawrence Dumont for baseballs to end up in the parking lot oh, of, yeah. of the church, but I don't know about actually hitting that <laughs> I, church. I think I've heard that. I don't know if I if I if I actually believe that that is true. And I also think, you know, for a lot of people, um, you know, I am very supportive of the wind surge. I think that Wichita will be better when the wind surge are successful. I think that they have I think in terms of the product that they put on around the game, obviously, you know, management they can only do so much with the baseball product. The sure. prospects are getting called up. If the team, if the twins suck at drafting, what are the wind surge going to do? It's not right. their fault. They don't put the players right. on the field. They don't pick who is playing. But in terms of the atmosphere of the game day amenities, I think that those are great for fans. I think it's a great atmosphere. A lot of great sight lines at the ballpark. I still personally would I, love to see the NBC yeah. at that stadium. That was a promise that right. was made. And I still feel that the NBC should have the World Series at the at Riverfront Stadium for the full two weeks. And that that, I think that minor league baseball should make yeah, that happen. I think that there's been sort of a mentality uh, from, from outsiders that the wind surge really only want to work with themselves and not necessarily want to branch out away from that. I think that's one concern. Um, I, I think another know. concern, and I don't know, but yeah, you know, I, but I don't I, know about, you know, one way or the, other. I'm not saying you're wrong, but I, I think, I think that goes, I, that goes back to the NBC. I think, you know, the outside organizations wanting to come in and use the, the space that there's been a little bit. And this is, again, I'm not breaking any news here. This was in the article. I think that, oh, yeah. you know, that, that there's, there's People been a little bit of dis- there, discontent yes. about that. But I think the other thing is, and this is where, you know, your everyday average Wichitan, um, I think affordability is a concern. You know, look, inflation Especially is real. Right now, yeah. Right? Inflation is real. Things are expensive. They're more expensive now. I can tell you, you know, I again, I'm, I'm full disclosure. I work for the Wichita Thunder. I'm in charge of ticket prices for the Wichita Thunder. We raised ticket prices for this upcoming season. Inflation is real. But I think that there's an affordability question and maybe a little bit of a lack of transparency about uh, an additional fee. I think it's one thing for, um, you know, f- people to have it included in their taxes. Their taxes are going up to fund this. It's another thing to slap on an, an, an additional fee when you buy a bag of popcorn. Uh, so th- those are all things because you're, you want to try to have fun, affordable family entertainment. And, you know, so that's really the long and short of it. I, again, I'm a supporter of the wind surge. I enjoy going to games there. It's a world-class stadium, world-class Absolutely. facility. Um, I want to see it succeed. It. Yep, I I, I want to see it succeed as much as anybody. Um, but it, it is, I think, it is enough to at least pay attention to some of the things that are going on. Without a doubt, and we're going to pay attention to a lot more of the wind surge moving forward. Uh, wind surge baseball is going to be back in action tomorrow. As you are watching this, they've got a six-game set with the Northwest Arkansas Naturals, and 11:05, a little 
morning baseball on a Tuesday for you. Uh, so they may actually beat us to the punch with the video episode tomorrow. Uh, so Northwest Arkansas for the six-game set. They're back at home against Springfield on May 17th with a 7.05 first pitch against the Springfield Cardinals. So that's the next time you can get out to the ballpark and watch some wind surge baseball. We'll be talking about them here as we continue on the program. And we should be back every other week at actually – Time's out very nicely. We'll avoid the Memorial Day holiday. Uh, so we'll hope to see you back in a couple of weeks. Tommy, good to be back with you as well. Thanks again, to everybody, well. for liking, sharing, subscribing, watching, however you interact with the show. We really appreciate it. You can like, share, and subscribe on the YouTube, on whatever podcasting platform you are using. Really appreciate you sharing the uh, show with one friend. That really helps us out a lot. You can find us at CogPod on Twitter, CogSports.com. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, Tommy, for our beloved audio listeners, where can they get you on Twitter? You can follow me at Tweets from Tommy. And I'm at B.E. Cripps, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S, B.E. Cripps on Twitter. So we're up to date on Shocker Sports. We hope, I hope, that we'll be talking about Shocker Softball in the NCAA Tournament in a couple of weeks. Shocker Baseball will be wrapping up the season. Will the Royals have pulled anything out? And, uh, Tommy, you know, we might have a new athletic director at Wichita State by you the next know. time we come on. That's possible as well. So, you know, we, you know, the summer is typically a slower sports time. Uh, there may be a lot to talk about next time on the Keeper of the Game. So hope you will stay with us. We will hope to see you in a couple of weeks. For Tommy, I am Blakes. This has been the Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's K-O-G-Pod.